Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey, what's up, y'all? Alan Kenny, host of Blatant Homers and Podcast, part of Sooner Sports Radio on the Vsporto Network. Oklahoma's about to start preseason practice this weekend, so Eddie Radosevich of Sooner Scoop is going to join us to uh, talk about some of the big stories that are coming up for the Sooners as they get ready to take the field for the uh, 2016 season. But Eddie, I want to start off, how nice was it to see not only a guy from Oklahoma, but a guy sporting that Bellagio gear, lifting the Wanamaker Trophy this weekend? Very, very cool stuff. It was... uh... You know, actually, I I kind of have a backstory. I guess I don't really, but uh, my cousin grew up playing little league ball with him, and uh, so when he grew up there in Oklahoma City, uh, he played uh, little league basketball with him. They actually won the I think the ten under AAU tournament. Uh, gosh, I don't even know what year that was, but uh, yeah. So they he kind of knew Jimmy, and uh, it was pretty cool. I tweeted out a picture of him. Uh, with the uh, the little league team, but uh, every week I I kind of that's always a name that I kind of gravitate towards and see uh, see it's it's cool to see him do well even though uh, he uh, he he went on to uh, grow up and and live in Texas high school and then went on to Baylor but uh, very cool to uh, see him kind of break through and get a major and I think that this is the kind of win that kind of bolts you up obviously into. Uh, into getting a little bit more respect for a guy that's won five times and now six times on the PGA Tour. I don't know if he's really a household name like people, like maybe he should be. So uh, I, was, I was pretty excited. I was definitely pulling for him on Sunday. Uh, when, he, uh, when he took out the three-wood, though, on 18, it made me a little nervous. Uh, he's lucky he got a good lie there. <laughs> so uh, who's done, done accomplished more, uh, Jimmy Walker or your cousin? Uh, I love my cousin Kyle. He's a pilot, but uh, <laughs> Jimmy Walker uh, winning a major is uh, is pretty darn impressive. Yeah, I don't know, man. Pilot's pretty cool though, too, man. Uh, you know, hey, you know, whatever. Uh, anyway, let's go ahead and talk some football. Uh, you know, I, I believe it's is it Friday that uh, they that they uh, report back. Uh, Wednesday report oh. back and practice actually starts Thursday. So oh, okay. it's, uh, it's, it's crazy. I mean, Oklahoma state started, uh, on Tuesday. So it's, uh, it's all here. I can't believe it. I was telling somebody earlier today that I've been doing, uh, radio shows and interviews and stuff. And for the summer months I've been saying, I can't wait till it's here. And it's finally here. Chances that, uh, Bob Stoops or maybe Kale Gundy is rocking a mullet along the lines of what his brother's doing there at uh, OSU. Oh, my gosh, that would be amazing if that could happen. But, uh, you know, as loose as Bob is, and I'm sure we'll talk about it more here tonight, but uh, I don't see that happening uh, when, on Thursday when they report. I don't see him uh, having a mullet. But it, it is a magnificent mullet. I saw it down in Dallas at Big 12 Media Days, and I'm all in. They were showing uh, clips from OSU's first practice, and it's, it's growing out a little bit more, little by little. It's taking shape, it looks like, up in uh, Stillwater for Mike. Oh, yeah. Oh, absolutely. It reminded me a lot of actually when, uh, I mean, I remember him when I was a kid, you know, playing quarterback there at OSU and how it, uh, how it, how it looked back then. But, uh, you, you know, you touched on it, though, there's being Bob Stoops. 
he's, uh, I guess, really does seem kind of loose. You know, everybody always says don't judge how he feels about a team based on his mood. But, I mean, he is, he does just seem kind of like, you know, just kind of easygoing compared to how he's been for, oh, I'd say about uh, 15 years now. Yeah, no, no doubt. I, it's it's almost bizarre world. Uh, just I'll give you a quick example. Uh, he has a golf tournament for donors and uh, media are invited. I actually played in it this year, and uh, you know usually it's a it's a four hour event. It's a get in, get out. He'll do he'll do some talking at the end and give out prizes and stuff. This year, he actually opened up the floor for questions from donors, and <laughs> all the media guys that were there kind of looked at each other and smiled and. That's just not something that happens a whole lot. And so that's kind of a good example of just how loose he is. And uh, even going back to Big Twelve Media Days and then when he did the car wash up in uh, Bristol, it was, uh, it's a different sti- uh, kind of a different side of Bob that you don't normally see. And I think it certainly helps that they're recruiting very well right now. He has some uh, new coaches in place, obviously, and Lincoln Riley and Kerry Cooks and those types of guys. And it just seems like it kind of got over the hump last year, the way that they were able to perform down the stretch. And uh, certainly when you walk into camp with uh, Baker Mayfield and Samaj P. Ryan returning, uh, it, there's probably a good reason to feel pretty good. I think that they think that they obviously are going to be pretty good uh, on both sides of the ball and have a, have a good year and try and get back to a college football playoff. Has he talked much about uh, if, if anything, if he feels like anything about you know, kind of his outlook on coaching or his, his job has changed or anything like that? You know, I mean, you, you do see him. You, you mentioned the asking, opening up the questions for donors. I mean, there's the other stuff too, you know. I mean, stuff like going on uh, garbage time with Katie Nolan and stuff like that, I mean, just seems to be kind of opening up more. Yeah, you know, this is, I guess it's my kind of, I don't know if philosophy or uh, I'm trying to think for the right word. It, it I guess opinion or maybe even conspiracy that I've come up with. I think it has a lot to do with his kid just growing up. Uh, Drake and Isaac are now going to be juniors in high school at Norman North High School, uh, a local high school there in Norman, and uh, they're pretty good football players themselves. His daughter's at OU. She's doing the sorority life thing right now. I think it's just maybe an evolution of, uh, of, of his family and just kind of more laid back than he has been in, in past years. And so uh, you know, I, I don't know. I, that might be kind of my weird conspiracy theory and that maybe Isaac and Drake are opening him up more. I know he's on Twitter a lot more than he has been. Uh, he's, he hasn't retweeted any of the high school recruits yet, but uh, he's definitely on Twitter and has a bigger presence. And even the barbecue event that Oklahoma had uh, last week on Friday, uh, that that's maybe the biggest example of kind of the evolution of Bob Stoops. That's something that I don't think that he would have done five, ten years ago. And uh, certainly that was something that uh, they put together this year and had a good turnout with most of their commits coming. I think it was a little disappointing they didn't get some of the targets that they wanted in. But at the same time, it was just a good event. And uh, you kind of saw through a lens uh, through the Oklahoma football program that you really haven't seen a whole lot. Uh, so, you know, it's just kind of small stuff like that, that, uh, that you get a feeling that he really is comfortable with uh, where he's at in his life and especially where his program's at uh, as he enters, I guess, his 18th year now in Norman. Yeah, you know, actually, Garen Emig had something in his column, uh, I believe it was either today or yesterday, talking about how, you know, he talked with Mike Stoops, and Mike Stoops was talking about how he feels like a lot of the changes, you know, uh, that, uh, that, that Bob made to the coaching staff and, 
uh, you know, maybe just kind of changed how he's kind of looked looked at the program. Uh, you know, kind of giving him a second wind. Normally, I want to hear that kind of thing. I mean, I just roll my eyes because normally that means this this coach is desperate and he's on his way out. But I mean, they it really does feel like they've turned a corner. And I'm looking, you know, looking at it. I mean, the guys on the coaching staff. Uh, you know, a guy like uh, Lincoln Riley who. Uh, it was has been such a good hire for uh, for Stoops. Uh, you know, I mean, what's what do you think the the end game is there for him? I mean, this is his second year. He won the Broyles Award a year ago and and, and really did a, a fantastic job turning things around with that offense that quickly. Um, you know, is, is this going to be you think his last year in Norman, or do you think he's going to be kind of choosy? Yeah, that's that's definitely a question that comes up. That it might be one of the top five questions that comes up when you're talking about Oklahoma's 2016 season. And, uh, you know, it, it's interesting to hear Lincoln talk about it. We talked to him a little bit after that golf event last week. And, uh, you know, he had some interesting things to say just about, you know, his respect for the Oklahoma program. I think at the end of the day, he realizes what position he's in. And maybe maybe not so much of the, the long term of maybe he could be the next guy after Bob retires. But, uh, you know, Talking to him, he said he, there was a quote that really stuck with me, and he said that uh, you walk into a place like Oklahoma and uh, you're not the best to ever do it, uh, whether that be player, coach, or anybody associated with the program. There's always probably going to be one more guy that uh, that has left a bigger impression on you. Uh, and just talking about the tradition of Oklahoma. So, you know, I kind of am leaning towards the side that he'll come back after this year. I think he is going to be picky, as you said. Uh, I, I don't think that he's necessarily going to just leave to get a head coaching job uh, because he thinks that will be the next kind of uh, step in his career. I think that he, he kind of realizes what he has in Norman. Uh, maybe that decision even plays into uh, what Baker Mayfield decides to do after getting a, an extra year of eligibility. So right now I would say that uh, this won't be Lincoln Riley's final year at Oklahoma. I think he's here for the long term of things. Uh, just, and that might depend on what, what the future Bob has. I, I, he was asked at Big 12 Media Day, and he said that uh, I think he left it at 10 more years, or I don't know if that was the, the direct quote, but somebody asked him if he'd be here in 10 years. And uh, it was kind of the first time that he never really shut that, that idea down. So uh, how that, how that uh, affects Lincoln Riley, it's going to be really interesting to see. But I do think that he kind of realizes the position he's in, and uh, – I don't think he's he's looking to leave it anytime soon. I guess would be the best way to put it. Yeah, you know, and looking at uh, what he'll be working with next year, I mean, he'll still uh, have quite a bit of talent there. Uh, you know, some of those guys that are going to be, uh, you know, hitting the field again. You know, we, obviously we talked a lot about Baker Mayfield. Um, I guess first of all, how do you think he handles the the whole kind of uh, being being the big shot now? Kind of, I mean, he got so much attention, for example, at media days. Uh, you know, I mean, he's, he seems to be, a, you know, kind of a, a real kind of confident, uh, uh, eccentric isn't the right word, but, you know, he just kind of does his own thing. I mean, y- you know, I mean, does, do you feel like that, that he has the kind of personality to handle that kind of, uh, you know, media spotlight or? Yeah, no, I, I, I get what you're saying. And I, I don't think that there's anybody on that team right now that relishes in front of the camera more than Baker Mayfield. I, I, I think he thoroughly enjoys every, every bit of the process. And, uh, you know, maybe that's why his play on the field is, has reflected so well on him. Uh, you know, he was able to kind of step in 
And something that I think is a little bit overlooked is the way that he was able to step in in that year when he sat out two years ago in Norman, pretty much just showed up on campus and really earned the respect of his teammates. Uh, and, you know, I don't know how that kind of re- how that goes hand in hand with the way that he uh, handles the media responsibilities, but I do think it's something that he really, really enjoys. He likes being on the big stage. And, uh, you know, I, I, I guess that kind of makes him sound a little cocky and a little egotistical, but at the same time, I think he, he is able to kind of harness it in a way that uh, he doesn't come off of as a, as, a, as a huge asshole or something like that. Mm-hmm. He comes off of as, as a really good guy, and I think that, uh, that he really enjoys it. And maybe that might also be one of the reasons why Bob Stoops is so uh, lax. He knows he can throw a, a guy like Baker out in front of the cameras, and he's not going to say too, too much. He'll say a little bit, but not too, too much, and go and step over that line. Yeah, you know, it's kind of funny how many times – uh, fans from other other schools will will hit me up, you know, on Twitter or whatever, and be like, you know what, man, I really wish I did not like Baker Mayfield so much, but you know, I mean, because these, you know, the videos of him dancing and you know the photo shoot stuff comes out, and he's, you know, he's moonwalking and whatever, you know, I mean, it's uh, it's 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 good stuff. But what do you look at looking at Baker? I mean, is there something that that you would say that he can? You, you know, really needs to kind of maybe work on for his game or that you think that he's maybe focused on this offseason, getting ready for, this, for the uh, 2016 season? Yeah, you know, I, I don't know if it's as much uh, uh, harnessing his play. I do think that uh, some of the stuff that he got in trouble last year for was, uh, you know, the, the scrambles, trying to just get too much out of plays and realizing where he's at. Sometimes it's okay to to step out and just get three yards instead of putting your head down and getting five. And I think that uh, going into this season, that's probably one of the bigger uh, kind of storylines for Oklahoma, obviously, is uh, just keeping him healthy. Uh, People forget that he throws a pick in the Orange Bowl and uh, gets a concussion trying to tackle the guy. And, uh, you know, how that would have played in a national championship situation if they were to play a week uh, week and a half later, uh, there's a chance he might have not been able to play. So, it's going to be interesting to see how he kind of harnesses himself. I think that that, uh, that uh, not aggression, but uh, just that type of mentality that he does have, that free-flowing, free uh, just kind of who-gives-a-rip attitude that he does have, kind of hurts him at some points. And uh, so it's going to be about him getting kind of keep, keeping his head on straight, not getting hurt, knowing when to, uh, when to slide, when to get down, when to get rid of the ball even. So uh, it's going to be interesting to see how he kind of develops that, and it's something that I think that he was pretty open and honest with in talking at Big 12 Media Days is that uh, he realizes that he, he, he can not put himself into situations like he did last year. And uh, even though he only threw seven interceptions, I think there was some uh, decision-making stuff that, that, uh, that he probably could clean up. And it's also going to be interesting talking with him. They were talking about the speed of the offense and just entering Lincoln Riley's second year that they think that they can go a lot faster than they did. And uh, looking back at some of the ways that they were able to, uh, or at the speed that they were able to play at, and especially in uh, big wins, even in uh, Manhattan at Kansas State, it seemed like they went really fast. And even all the games, I guess, towards the end of the year, uh, you know, it's going to be interesting to see just the understanding of the offense and, and, and just different ways that they can kind of tinker with it. Uh, and even decisions made, made by uh, Baker, ba- Baker Mayfield at the uh, – at the line of scrimmage, uh, it's going to be interesting to see how much uh, they kind of let him do his own thing out there and not have to uh, to rely too much on Lincoln Riley. Talking with Eddie Radosevich of SoonerScoop.com. So, Eddie, uh, 
looking here then though at the rest of the offense I mean you know obviously Oklahoma has you know possibly the best uh, backfield tandem in the country with Samaj P. Ryan and uh, Joe Mixon are they do you think that they've looked at different ways to leverage that or I mean are they pretty happy with the sets and kind of the uh, you know the way that they deployed both those backs last year yeah, I think the biggest thing that they're going to look at this year, and it was something that they kind of hinted at uh, Big 12 Media Day. It's been something that you've kind of heard them working on even a little bit and unsupervised seven-on-seven stuff is uh, how good of a pass catcher Joe Mixon is out of the backfield. I think that, uh, you know, when they're looking for to replace the role of Sterling Shepard in the slot, it, it, I don't want to say it's going to rely on Joe Mixon doing that, but I do think that they're going to use him a little bit more than they did last year as far as uh, putting him in motion and, and putting him in the slot and just various things, because you do want both of those guys on the field. And I think that uh, Joe can help Oklahoma offensively uh, catching the football. I, I remember seeing him, uh, it seems like I say it every time we talk about him, but I remember him doing some things at wide receiver at the five-star event going into a senior year of high school that running backs just aren't supposed to do. He's a, he's a very talented athlete. And especially uh, everybody's seeing what he can do with, his, with the ball in his hands. So, uh, you know, I do think it's going to be interesting to see what they do, uh, what they do with Mixon and how they move him around. I think he's going to be a, kind of an a, a important piece of the offense, and especially with, uh, with Samaje and, uh, you know, with him coming back from uh, ligament surgery over the offseason. Sounds like he's much healthier. He said that uh, he was only around 60% by the end of the year, and that's kind of crazy when you remember how well he ran the ball in mm-hmm. the uh, Bedlam game. So it's, uh, it's going to be really interesting to see how they fill that void by Sterling Shepard. I, I think that Joe Mixon is certainly going to be a big part of it, and uh, I wouldn't be surprised at all to see uh, Mixon. Maybe, I don't want to say lead the team in receptions because I think that would probably be a pretty big indictment on their uh, receiving mm-hmm. core. But I definitely think that he can be up there in uh, top three. I think he even finished last year uh, third. Yeah, you know, going back over uh, games from last year and looking at uh, clips and whatnot, uh, it really is. I mean, I you know, I, I some of the you know maybe uh, talent scout type guys that I follow on Twitter when I see them going through stuff too. I mean, the stuff that Mixon does is uh, he you can re- you can see the the kind of raw talent you know that he does have and. Uh, all the ability. I mean, I think that, you know, if, I mean, if he's, you know, if he's ready to get going this year, I mean, he, uh, he could do, do, uh, I mean, he could do quite a bit for uh, diversifying this offense. So, but uh, you mentioned, you know, the receiving core, Um, you know, who, okay. So, you know, Mixon probably won't be the leading receiver. So who's the number one guy? Is it going to be D.D. Westbrook? Are there going to be other guys uh, who emerge? And then, uh, you know, who are some of the other kind of targets that you imagine by the end of the year will look up and they've uh, finished, you know, in the top three, four, five in catches? Yeah, I would probably lean towards D.D. Westbrook. But, you know, a guy that I don't know if he's a, if, if it's a quiet name anymore because he had such a good year. But Mark Andrews coming off of a freshman season where he had seven recep- seven touchdown receptions, I think he's going to be a big-time, uh, kind of a big-time performer for this Oklahoma offense. I think that he's going to be a guy that they can turn to when they need to throw the ball with such a big body. He's, uh, he's, he's the prototypical guy of what they want, I think, in this offense. And uh, certainly they're going to need some other guys to help out. I, I, a name that has really been gaining steam that – Gosh, I, I don't know if I'm buying into yet is Nick Basquain. He's a uh, walk-on from uh, the Norman area. 
that uh, that Baker Mayfield has mentioned, Lincoln Riley has mentioned as the guy that's going to contribute, and uh, really kind of a, a name that's going to be kind of coming out of the out of out of nowhere to Oklahoma fans that don't really pay attention to the day in day out stuff. So it's going to be interesting. I, I, I do think that Jarvis Baxter is going to is kind of primed for a, a comeback year, if you will. He's a guy that uh, I think they kind of realized they were wanting to see a little bit more of last year as a JUCO transfer, and he just never really did. And then uh, you know I think that one of the one of the guys coming out of the freshman class that could really kind of help this Oklahoma uh, offense is Michael Jones, yeah. a, a four-star wide receiver out of Alabama that they got in on late. And uh, and he's been a guy that really has started to turn heads. I think that his uh, long-term future at Oklahoma looks extremely bright. And if you can just get a little bit out of uh, the trio of Jeffrey Meade, Dahu Green, and A.D. Miller, I think that uh, Oklahoma would really be in good shape if they could get anything. And out of those three, I kind of lean towards Dahu Green out of, uh, out of those three that, uh, that really could end up having a good year. I saw a picture of him yesterday, and he looked – like a completely different guy than I covered in high school out of the Moore area. And, uh, you know, he played a lot last year. He just never really was able to uh, pr- to uh, contribute and to produce. He had a couple balls thrown to him in the end zone that he dropped. And uh, certainly a guy that they're going to need to catch the ball if they, uh, they want to have the type of year offensively like they think they can. Yeah, yeah. I don't know, though, man. I watch A.D. Miller play. There's something about him. He just looks so natural out there. He, uh, yeah, it, you know. He's really, really long. When you get up next to him, it's 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 kind of crazy to think that uh, that that Oklahoma is starting to get those types of guys. I know that's kind of weird, but they've been, I, I think, relying on the the shorter stature guy. But definitely a kind of a turn uh, this year. They're going to have some big bodies out there that uh, that really can contribute. I think you're right. And speaking of big bodies, we got the offensive line. Uh, you know, last year this group. It, it, when you think about it, I mean, I, you know, I try to explain to people that in, in a lot of ways, I thought OU was kind of a year ahead of schedule, and a lot of it had to do with, you know, the amount of youth they had there on the offensive line this year. Uh, three starters coming back: Orlando Brown, uh, one left at left tackle. We'll have Jonathan Alvarez sliding in there at center, and uh, also Drew Samaya probably at right tackle, right? Yeah, that's that's kind of the million dollar question going into camp. And uh, it's going to be interesting to see how, who, who are those guys that step up in the middle. You lose a guy in Ty Darlington, the Oklahoma ran a really good story, um, just kind of about filling that, that role at center. I think that they have all the confidence in the world in John Alvarez. He's a guy that actually started against Tulsa when Ty Darlington wasn't able to go. But, uh, you know, you're filling two spot, uh, a spot at the center position that has been manned by Gabe Eichert and Ty Darlington, two of the more outspoken, uh, you know, just best – all-around guys that I think have maybe ever been through the program at the offensive line position. Those are just two golden, golden kind of golden star guys that uh, that Oklahoma is losing, and they were able to kind of fill that role last year. But uh, who's going to be the guy that steps up inside in the interior offensive line? I think you look at Cody Ford and uh, Ben Powers, the JUCO transfer. Cody Ford coming off of a redshirt freshman year. They have a lot of high expectations for both of those guys. But uh, you know, kind of rounding back to your question. If they can get anything out of Christian Daimler, he's going to be sidelined for uh, probably the first three weeks of camp uh, coming off of a uh, knee injury. He's going to be a guy to watch. If he can come in and step in and play right tackle, then you kind of open yourself up to, uh, to a little bit more of an option of maybe moving Drew Samia inside, which I think people originally thought was going to happen before the dismissal of Kenyon Friesen uh, last season. 
Yeah, he seems better suited to that uh, inside position there. And I guess the other one I'd be remiss if I didn't ask about would be Bobby Evans. I mean, this is a guy that was really highly touted kind of coming out of high school. And, uh, you know, people, are, I think, are wondering, rightly so, if he can push for time there at right tackle. Yeah, no doubt. And coming from a great program in Allen, uh, you know, I think that everything I've heard about Bobby is he's still just trying to kind of really get his feet back underneath him. He's coming off of the ACL injury his senior season. Uh, last season, he really, I don't, I, I want to say that he started practicing right before the bowl games. And so he's really kind of getting his, uh, his second wind, or I guess his really his first wind at Oklahoma. And I think that, you know, he's a guy that is very interesting to watch and see kind of his progression because he is certainly a guy that uh, was highly recruited out of high school. And I think that somewhere down the road that Oklahoma fans are going to kind of be relying on a guy like that to, uh, to fill in some type of void. It's hard to think that you get through any type of season without any kind of injury on the offensive line, and that's something that really, for the most part, Oklahoma was able to get away with last season. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, a couple, uh, couple missed uh, starts there early for a few guys, but for the most part, uh, they will kind of settle in as the season wore on. Um, let's go ahead and move over to the other side, and I want to work uh, inside out, starting with uh, the defensive line. You know, I was going over it today, and, uh, you know – Looking back last year at that Clemson game, you know, a lot of people I think were uh, maybe around the country, maybe kind of surprised at the way Clemson just kind of pounded on OU. But it it didn't really surprise me when I read that morning that Charles Walker wouldn't be there. I mean, he was Oklahoma's best defensive lineman last year and certainly best against the run. Um, And, you know, I felt like that injury, aside from taking away a great player, really kind of taxed their depth. But looking at it now, I mean, it feels like, Oklahoma has more kind of blue chip type talent maybe uh, working into the rotation this year. Yeah, certainly. I I think you're absolutely right. It's a position that, you know, I guess three years ago, they were really kind of uh, lacking. It was a, it was definitely a a point of concern. And I think that that's something that obviously led to the demise of Jackie ship. And then they went out and got Jerry Montgomery and uh, you know, he was able to kind of, uh, kind of almost smooth things back out. And then, of course, uh, last year, Dyron Reynolds, and then uh, Calvin Thibodeau takes over, and he takes over a group that really has been kind of retransformed. Uh, and when you have guys like uh, Charles Walker, as you said, Matt Romar, uh, Devonta Lampkin's a guy that they're going to really be kind of heavily, I think, hoping something happens with, and uh, Matt Diamond. And they just they have a, a good group of guys that uh, they think can, can maybe – caused a little bit of havoc this year. And uh, certainly a guy in Charles Walker that's coming off wrist surgery, he's been held out of uh, out of uh, summer workouts uh, for the most part. I think with the upper body, I think he's been able to run and do stuff like that. So he'll be up to speed uh, conditioning-wise. But uh, you're still talking about a guy that, quote-unquote, hasn't started a game at Oklahoma. And so uh, they're really going to uh, to need a lot of production out of those guys up front. And I think that any type of, stu- any type of uh, contributions that you can get up front will certainly help a uh, – a linebacking core that is uh, is pretty young for the most part. So uh, you look at Oklahoma defensively, and uh, up front I think is where it starts and where they're going to need to really get some good play out of uh, out of their veteran guys, guys that have been around for quite a while. And uh, you, you look at a guy in Jordan Wade who's now a redshirt senior, uh, it seems like he's been around for, oh, forever God, on yeah. the team. I, I thought he was a senior three years ago, honestly. Yeah. No, so. I'm, I'm with you. Yeah, it's, it, I, I couldn't believe that he was back this year when I uh, – 
when I find when I looked at that. Um, if, if there if there's one of the young guys who you think is going to kind of emerge and uh, be a big contributor there on the defensive line, who who would you who would you uh, single out? You know, I would I would probably go with uh, Marquise Overton. He was a guy that played a little bit as a freshman last year. He got in, uh, especially in blowout games, made some plays. But uh, you know, he's a guy six one three hundred. He's a state champion wrestler out of the Jinx High School, uh, one of the story programs in Oklahoma. He's a guy that I really think uh, that the Oklahoma staff likes. You talk to Calvin Thibodeau. He's just a guy that makes plays. He's a guy that you know what you're getting every time you put him on the field. And I think that, uh, you know, that's, that's something that, that goes a long way, especially with, uh, with, with getting into a, uh, into a rotation early as a young guy. Uh, so Marquise Overton would probably be the guy that I really kind of circle. Uh, and maybe 2A or 1A would be – or 1B, excuse me would be uh, probably Neville Gallimore. Mm -hmm. We'll go with Neville. I think that he's a guy that coming out of the Canada Canada prep ball, redshirted last year, he was probably going to play if he didn't uh, come across uh, some injuries coming out of high school. I think he tore his ACL, and he's uh, kind of back into the the swing of things, and he was a really, really good player uh, coming out of high school. So I think that he's a guy that uh, a lot of people are going to kind of be expecting quite a bit of once, uh, once camp opens on Thursday. Yeah, yeah, really, really big body there. Um, let's move to the linebacking core. Now, this is, uh, I think, uh, one of the bigger areas of concern for Sooner fans. Uh, lost so much, you know, with Dom Alexander leaving early, Eric Stryker, of course, gone. Not only a really talented uh, player, you know, great at kind of wreaking havoc, but, you know, a guy that was seen by, I think, a lot as a leader on the team. And then also, uh, you know, Devontae Bond, uh, you know, who uh, was playing that kind of jack position. Now, you know, Mike seems to tend to like to kind of, you know, tailor the defense more to the personnel he has available as opposed to, you know, trying to necessarily make pieces fit. So I got to imagine that we'll see a lot more three linebacker looks this year, right, with uh, maybe playing a nickelback more as opposed to uh, that kind of true 3-4 that you saw out of OU last year. Yeah, definitely. I would agree with that. It's going to be interesting to see. Uh, they obviously don't have Eric Stryker on the defensive side of the ball anymore. And, uh, you know, I think that people wondering just how good Eric Stryker was. I saw he's running with some of the ones today at Buffalo Bills training camp. So uh, he's just a playmaker. And they obviously are going to be lacking on that side of the ball without him. So, uh, you know, it, who's it come down to? It comes down to guys like Jordan Evans, who really is the, is the, the lone returning starter. I think that maybe Dominic Alexander's absence is going to be highlighted even more this year. Sounds like he's doing pretty well up at the Browns camp. So it's, uh, it's, it, it falls on kind of a handful of guys. I think that uh, Tay Evans would probably be the first name that comes to mind when you're talking about young linebackers. Uh, the brother of Bobby Evans, uh, who we just talked about a minute ago out of Allen High School. And then uh, you, you get into the Ricky DeBerry, the, uh, the Curtis Lofton, uh, or Curtis Lofton, Curtis Bolton, mm-hmm. uh, who who had a pretty who had a pretty quiet spring, but I think that uh, coaches were pretty pleased with his progression over the last year, two years while in Norman, and uh, and then obviously I think the two freshman names that uh, a lot of people are going to be talking about going into camp will be uh, Mark Jackson Jr., a guy that was committed to Texas A and M before flipping to Oklahoma before signing day, and then obviously the five star signee and Caleb Kelly out of uh, the Fresno area. Uh, Clovis area in uh, California. He's uh, he's certainly going to be a big time player for Oklahoma for years to come. But they're going to need him to uh, probably contribute going into this season uh, at a linebacker position. That, as you said, it has a lot of question marks 
uh, with uh, with so many uh, guys lost from uh, last season. Yeah, you know, and and one of the things that uh, you know concerns me when you start talking about moving to that kind of five uh, DB look, pretty much as your your base defense is how you're going to hold up against the run. You know, you look at. Uh, Back in uh, 2013, when Oklahoma started running the 3-4, they really were running a 3-3-5 uh, with you know Julian Wilson out there playing nickel. And uh, there were times where teams, you know, were, I mean, you saw a team like uh, Kansas, for example, kind of come in and steamroll them. Uh, it got it got worse after Corey Nelson went down that season. But I guess that that raised the question to me: one, how big of a how big of a concern do you think that is that uh, when it comes to stopping the run? And two. If teams start going, you know, maybe with like a double tight package, you know, uh, who comes in, they're going to have to probably play another linebacker at that point. So, I mean, which guy is that, do you think? Yeah, it's, you know, I, I, it's going to be really interesting to see how they do this. And a guy that I left out of the linebacker conversation that really deserves being in it is Obo Okoronkwo. He's yeah. definitely, he's probably number one besides Jordan Evans. Uh, to answer your question, though, it's going to be really interesting. I think that, uh, you know, they've recruited so well on the defensive backfield that they, it gives them options. I know that they like Will Johnson. He's really not big enough to play that role, though. Uh, it's, it's, it, it's hard to say. It's hard to say who's going to step up and be that guy. I think that uh, they like the, the idea of maybe moving Ahmad Thomas down. He's a little bit thicker guy uh, and, and maybe playing more of that, that nickelback role. And uh, that would open up the door for a young safety to kind of step in, either be, whether it be Will Sunderland or Chance Sylvie, who's already been on campus, was in the 2016 recruiting class. Uh, it's, it's really going to be interesting. They have a lot of options at safety that they could, uh, they could implement out there. And while they're going to be young, they're very, very good high school players. How does that translate to this season when they're asked uh, to, uh, to start doing stuff like that against, in a big game against Houston or Ohio State? It's going to be a really big question mark. I think that's probably the number one question mark on the defensive side of the ball uh, is uh, is how they how they, how they revamp this defense and especially without the big playmakers as we've talked about uh, as a, as a guy like Eric Stryker moves on. Yeah, you know that could be a position where Caleb Kelly has a chance to maybe get on the field kind of early, even though he's uh, still a little thin maybe for that kind of role. Um, Looking uh, at the secondary, though, you, you mentioned we got uh, quite a few, uh, quite a few talented guys there. Uh, a lot of experience too. Um, I'm, I'm wondering though, who's going to be that other corner opposite Jordan Thomas. I mean, uh, are we? Is it going to be? Can can PJ and Bansor play there? Will uh, a, a young guy come in, or has Dakota Austin kind of, uh, uh, you think, put himself in position to be the front runner there? You know, I, I think that what. Dakota was able to do coming in last year and kind of fill the role when Zach Sanchez was uh, was injured and sidelined. I think that's really kind of put him into the uh, to the driver's seat for that position. And coming out of spring, I don't think that anybody really hurt themselves in regards to uh, vying for that second cornerback spot. But I do think that uh, maybe somebody some a name that really hasn't been mentioned a whole lot is Antoine Stevens. He's a guy that, that Mike Stoops brings up nearly every time that we mm-hmm, talk about mm-hmm. uh, that extra spot. And uh, seems like a guy that really kind of gets it. I, I, I don't know if I would walk out on that ledge and say he's going to be the guy that wins it, but I definitely think that he could be a guy that uh, that, that pushes Dakota Austin. Uh, P.J. Ambanasaur, I think, is still coming on, uh, coming along, I guess, would be the best way to put it. I, I don't know if he's, he's exactly put himself in that position yet. 
And, uh, you know, a freshman that probably doesn't get talked enough, talked out, talked about enough is, uh, Jordan Parker. He's a guy that, uh, our recruiting and, uh, editor Josh McQueen is extremely high on mm-hmm. and thinks that he could be a guy that steps into that role and maybe wins it, uh, outright. Uh, and, you know, Dakota Austin's a, a very, very good player. He's a, he's a, he, he, he really filled in well. But again, the teams that he played against, probably aren't the teams that everybody thinks about when they think of high-powered high Big 12 offenses. And, uh, you know, I do think that his size at, at times probably limits him in some of the stuff that he's able to do. Yeah, you know, looking here, he's listed at 175. There is no way. <laughs> like, I mean, that that sounds small, too, but, I mean, I don't, I, well, I maybe, but he's, uh, he's he you know, he doesn't really have that uh, that kind of build. Um, no, not at all. Yeah, yeah. So then I guess, you know, kind of wrapping up here, Eddie, uh, if you had, if I, if I said, if you, you know, if you had to pick out one thing that you think is, like, a, a key to this season that, you know, You'd say, uh, you know, if this happens, then Oklahoma is probably looking at like a, you know, a playoff bid or in a Big 12 title type thing. I mean, what would that one thing be? Get through the first five games uninjured. Yeah. yeah. I, I, you know, everybody wants to focus on the non-con games, and rightfully so, with Houston opening up at Houston, Ohio State at home, Louisiana Monroe sandwiched in between. After you get through Ohio State, though, you all of a sudden get into a conference schedule that has you go into Fort Worth to play TCU, who's probably number two or three when you're talking about uh, Big 12 projections for the season. And then uh, you have the, the, the date not in uh, Dallas at the Cotton Bowl with Texas, who, uh, you know, who knows what they're going to be, uh, be about this year. But I do think that they're going to be improved and obviously a team that beat Oklahoma a season ago. So, you know, those first five games are really, really important to get through uh, for Oklahoma and especially get through, uh, get through healthy and, uh, and kind of unscathed before they, they re- reach the, uh, the middle of the Big 12 schedule where they probably are going to be able to roll up some wins on people. Uh, and, and I guess I say that, and there's still uh, the Texas Tech team that is kind of back in the back of my mind that I think could be a team that really maybe makes a turn if they can play any type of defense this year. And uh, so it's, it's, it's going to be a fun year. I'm really excited. I don't think that uh, people have been uh, this jacked up. Uh, as you said, I think that they were kind of a year ahead of schedule last year, and it caught a lot of people by surprise. And uh, this year it's going to be interesting to see how they can kind of handle being the big dog again, uh, something that I guess as hard as it is to believe hasn't really been the case here uh, in the last three, four years uh, under Bob Stoops. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, you know, the, like I think we, we touched on it a couple times here, but – they did have quite a bit of good fortune with the injuries last year, so I think that that is kind of a that is kind of a uh, for every team really a looming question, but for Oklahoma especially after the way that went down. But um, well, Eddie, hey, what are you guys doing at Sooner Scoop right now? Uh, you know, I'm sure you guys are pretty busy with uh, everything about to start up, right? Yeah, absolutely. It's uh, it's a great time to be involved in uh, Sooner Scoop board and the community of, with Rivals.com and. Uh, it's, uh, it's all firing up on, t- on Saturday morning. I, I, we've been rolling out uh, kind of uh, positional previews, did a, a big podcast today, and uh, it's, uh, it's, 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 just, it's here. I can't believe it. I keep saying it, but it's here. And it's, uh, it's uh, got local media day coming up on Saturday, and before, uh, before we know it, we'll be down in Houston uh, getting ready to uh, kick off the season. And it's, uh, it, it, it's kind of a sidebar, but all this Big 12 uh, expansion talk definitely has Oklahoma fans uh, piquing their interest in, uh, 
and looking over more and more to uh, get an idea of uh, what, what's going to happen with the conference and uh, if Oklahoma's even going to be in this conference here in uh, five, six years. So it's, uh, it's certainly an uh, interesting time, or I guess maybe would be better way to put it would be a, a fun time to be, to, be, uh, to be covering the Oklahoma beat. It's, uh, it's all about to uh, get underway. Yeah, and you guys do such a great job there at Soonerscoop.com. It's a fantastic resource for OU fans. And every time I bring you guys on, I, I have to mention that because I, I really do enjoy all the work you guys do and everything. So it's uh, always a real pleasure, too, to have you and Josh and everybody over there on uh, the podcast every so often. So really do appreciate you coming on, Eddie. Hey, Alan, anytime. I enjoy it every time that uh, we get together. So I look forward to uh, the next time. Awesome, awesome. Again, folks, that's Eddie Radosevich of Soonerscoop.com. Make sure to check them out there. And uh, many thanks to him for coming on and uh, helping us preview the upcoming uh, preseason practices. Uh, For the Blatant Homerism Podcast, I'm Alan Kenny. Take it easy. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.